M A I N M U M U Main Menu Main Menu Welcome to Main Menu for December 31st, 2010. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week, we begin with a greeting from ACB Radio President Mitch Pomerantz. Next, Chase Crispin gives us a short tech update. Finally, we highlight some of the stories we've covered on Main Menu in 2010. That's coming up on this edition of Main Menu. This is Mitch Pomerantz, President of the American Council of the Blind and I wanted to record a holiday message for all of our listeners. It's been a wonderful year for ACB. It has perhaps been our most successful year. With passage of the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act and the passage just this past week of the Pedestrian Safety Enhancement Act. We have much to be thankful for in ACB and much to celebrate. Just as we are celebrating the conclusion of a happy and successful 2010, I hope that all of our listeners have had a happy and successful year as well. On behalf of the Board of Directors of ACB, all of our staff, and everyone associated with ACB Radio, I want to wish each and every one of you a joyous and prosperous 2011 and hope that you have uh, as good a year next year as we've had this year. My wife Don and I are pleased at the listenership and your support of ACB Radio. We expect to be increasing programming. We hope to increase our listeners as well. And we trust that each and every one of you will continue to support ACB Radio and that you will have a wonderful, wonderful holiday and new year. Thanks for listening. Take care. And uh, we'll hopefully see you, many of you, at the 2011 annual conference and convention. It will be our 50th, taking place in Reno, Nevada, next summer, July 9th through the 16th. Thank you all so much for your support. Take care and keep listening. Tech Update, a technology news segment heard on ACB Radio's main menu and Accessible World's Tech Talk. Hello, Main Menu and Tech Talk. This is Chase Crispin with the tech update for the week of December 27th. Due to the very full Main Menu show this week, this tech update will not have very many details about each item. You will need to go visit the page for that item to learn more details. I apologize for the lack of a tech update the last few weeks. Hopefully now everything will be back on track. There are three major items this week. First is the release of the BookSense 2.2 firmware from HIMSS. If you have a previous version of the BookSense firmware and you're used to updating through the GW Micro website, you need to update through the HIMSS website. This is, again, version 2.2. The installation procedure for the BookSense standard and XT are very different, though. New Windows releases support for playing EPUB books is the most major thing. There are also some of the more minor bug fixes. Visit the HIMSS website to learn more. 
There is a new update for the Trekker Breeze with some very minor enhancements and bug fixes. The big change in the tr new Trekker Breeze update is the ability to enter an address. You use the different keys on the keyboard to enter text like you would on a cell phone. Most keys, except for a couple of them, have three letters and one number on them. So you can type in addresses and you don't have to have the place as a landmark first. If you'd like to learn more about this new Trekker Breeze update, you can visit www.humanware.com. That's H-U-M-A-N-W-A-R-E dot C-O-M. And finally, the last thing is the release of iBlink Radio version 2.0 from Saratech. This is Saratech's iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad app. This has had some of the content available on the System Access Mobile Network or SAMnet, but there is not as much content here as uh, you have to be logged in to be able to access some of that and you have to have an account. But the basic stuff like podcasts and internet radio you can access through this app. In version 2.0, there are a lot of new enhancements and a lot of new content added. There's also a way to add content from your area or the state in which you live. That's called localized content. You can add that to iBlink Radio. This is new in the App Store. If you already have iBlink Radio on your iOS device, go to the App Store to update it. If you'd like to learn more about iBlink version 2.0, you can visit www.serotek.com or just look up iBlink in the Apple online iTunes store. Thank you for listening to this week's tech update segment. If you have any comments or anything you'd like to see added, please call 206-337-4383, and be sure to listen in to next week's Main Menu and Tech Talk. I'm Jamie Pauls, host and producer of ACB Radio's Main Menu program, where we take a look at technology from a blindness perspective. I thought it would be kind of fun to take a look at the stories that we've covered over the past year, see where we've been, and maybe even talk a little bit about where we're headed on Main Menu in 2011. At the beginning of 2010, we started out with a panel discussion featuring J.J. Meta of Blind Bargains, Rick Harmon of the Blind Geek Zone, and myself discussing the top stories of 2009 as compiled by Blind Bargains. Toward the end of that discussion, I asked the guys to put their heads together and predict what they thought would be some of the top stories of 2010. You can judge for yourself how well we did. What do you guys think is possibly going to be the big story for 2010? Let's let's embarrass ourselves here. Let's uh, <laughs> we're either going to be prophets or we're going to look really foolish. So let's just have a little fun and um oh, JJ, I'll let you go first. You probably dabble in this, well you don't dabble in it. You probably work in this area more than uh than anyone else. What do you think might be a big story for 2010? You know, it, I I was going to go all way out on a limb, but I can't. honestly, the biggest story I think of 2010 will be is what we're already kind of expecting is the, I don't even think it'll just be Amazon, but the proliferation of, of a couple different options for same day uh, book access. I, you know, if, it, if it's not Amazon, it'll be coming from uh, KNFB or via Google or via somebody, but the immediate access to 
to books and um, you know we're talking hundreds of thousands millions of books I mean it's something we've, we've kind of already alluded to and we know it's coming but when that hits and the amount of books that will be available I think that will be probably the biggest story of the year cool Rick what do you think wow <laughs> I know I should have given you guys some time <laughs> JJ just lays I, it out there, like you know. Go, you, know go no, you know, I'm not, I'm not real good at this. I don't, I don't get into things as much as, as JJ does. But um, I don't know. Either, maybe I, this may sound crazy, but you know, I didn't think much of it initially, and, and every time I do that, it turns out to be wrong. But the, the Bookport Plus, I think, could be huge. You know, if it comes out and it really does some of these things that. They say it's going to do, you know, that could be all of a sudden, you know, the new player on the block again. And, you know, that that may turn out to be really huge. And I don't think the Freedom Scientific issue is over, mm. you know, with the Braille. Mm-hmm. I think I I think in 2010, you know, there's going to continue to be this fight. And I don't know. That could be another. That could could mushroom into a very huge thing for 2010. I, I don't know. I'll tell you the one I'd like to see for 2010. Um, and you know, it's been talked about for several years. But you know, perhaps 2010 will be the year that we finally have a breakthrough of a, a really affordable uh, Braille display. And that's something. There's, I know there's been different technologies that have been in development in various labs here and there. And maybe we're finally at the point where we'll see that. The first part of the new year saw the arrival of a much-anticipated product. Brian of Orbit Research describes the unit for us. We call it the iBuild Talking Banknote Identifier. There we go. Identify banknotes. I guess in in principle, you probably can't call it a money identifier because it doesn't identify coins. Excellent. One of the things I think that's kind of nice about the product is it's very simple. I mean, you know, a lot of things you, you buy have lots of bells and whistles that you don't use and don't need, but the talking banknote identifier just does what it says it does. Why don't you go ahead and actually just describe the, the unit for us? Sure. Uh, it's, uh, it's about the size of a, of a credit card, uh, a little bit thicker, of course. Um, you can think about it as a, as a pager. Um, it's about three inches, uh, wide, um, one and a half inches high, and about uh, 0.7 inch thick. Um, it's got a uh, slot on the top surface um, through which you insert the short end of a bill. And on the back side uh, is a speaker through which uh, either speech or tone announcements are made um, identifying the bill or uh, there's a vibrator inside which gives vibratory um, announcement of the bill denomination. Um, on the two sides of the unit are two buttons uh, which are identical in function, so it's uh, designed to be used by either left or right-handed uh, people. And um, pressing either one of the buttons uh, after inserting a bill um, begins the identification, and within about a second, uh, the denomination is announced. At the end of 2009 and the beginning of 2010, Twitter was all abuzz with a new game, Monopoly, from a brand new company, RS Games. 
Mike Forzano joined Main Menu to talk about the project. Well, basically, I guess a few months ago, you know, we, uh, me and the two other developers of the game, Ryan Smith and Jason Smith, were basically, you know, we wanted to create a, a multiplayer version of the classic board game Monopoly. So uh, we decided to give it a try and it ended up coming out pretty well. Um, one of the main things about it is it uses a server. So, you know, if, you, if anybody's ever played other multiplayer games, you know, there might be a time where you have to forward ports in your router and give other people your IP address. And we managed to avoid all that with our server. And um, anybody who's played the game, you know, will notice that we've been able to make a lot of changes without releasing any updates. And that's also because of the server. So basically we have, we have two versions of the game, the PC version and the web version. And one is the PC version, obviously you have to install on a Windows PC and the web version is played over the internet. And, you know, both can join games of Monopoly through the server and as many games as, you know, this is pretty much an infinite amount of games the server can support, can go on at once. And, you know, it's a great thing. You know, you can play against anyone, you know, through the server and everything. It's turned out really great. Main Menu has been joined by many people who are well known to the blind community. Among them, Mike Calvo and Ricky Inger of Serotech joined us to discuss their new Build a Bundle package. Build a Bundle isn't exactly Serotech's uh, invention. It's been a uh, it's been being done with cell phone companies, and it's it's been called the three play and a four play. Basically, when you have uh, your uh, your cable services and your internet services and your phone services all bundled up under one bill. Uh, and this is happening more with as, uh, with cable companies and technology companies like AT&T that they offer phone service, they offer cell phone service, they offer long distance services, they offer cable, all of these different services. And people have been able to build a bundle of services and get a good price for them and turn them on and off at will. Uh, as they need them. Well, we thought, wow, wouldn't that be cool if we brought that to the adaptive technology industry? We, we're already the leader in, in cloud computing and in, and in uh, Web 2.0 type solutions where you can walk up to any computer anywhere on the planet and immediately have access to your entire Serotech offering through sa to go whether it's paid or free. So we figured the next logical step is, well, you know, what's what's better than free? Well, really inexpensive. So we said, well, what's what's the, 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 the place where, where people really can afford the technology, where it's a no-brainer to them, and it's something for us that we can stand from a, uh, you know, from a numbers, uh, from a numbers point of view. And we settled on 995, and, and those who know Serotech's history know that our original offerings were at around 995, so we kind of come full circle. And we really see this as a great play for people that are on the go, for people that may use our services from time to time. They, they like our low prices um, on our, on our uh, SAS solution, but they're not ready to make a four-year commitment. They, uh, they don't want everything we offer for their $39.95, no-strings-attached offering that we have. And, and if these sound alien to the listeners, please visit our, our, uh, our page at serotech.com. And uh, you can read all about the different prices. But uh, there's definitely an opportunity here for people to kind of mix and match various services. Serotech's brought a lot of technologies to the table. Uh, we have remote access technology for your own 
home computer. We have remote access technology uh, to uh, to other computers in the industry. That's been imitated by other players in our industry, but I remind your listeners that any other technology in the adaptive technology industry that's offering remote access is exclusively to their products. Our remote access services offer uh, access to any computer uh, in the industry. Uh, that's running an adaptive technology, including the competitors' products. So that's a very important uh, uh, differentiation between our product and uh, what we consider to be a, a proprietary offering from our competitors. Um, when it comes to our our, uh, our offering of uh, content, some people may just want our content. Uh, some people may have a secondary computer that they want to add a license to, but they don't. You know, they don't. They don't want to pay. Uh, $399, uh, and it may be a laptop or something. You know, there's a, a million different reasons why we believe that Build a Bundle is awesome, uh, not the least of which is is the price. People that are on limited incomes, people that are on Social Security disability or Social Security income or, or whatever, they can now have access to a computer that's a couple of steps above the free. See, SA2Go, while it's it's been used at home by a lot of folks, Jamie, SA2Go is not a home service. Uh, it's something that actually in a home network, SA2Go poses some serious challenges with uh, with firewalls and you know potentially faces some challenges with firewalls and things of that nature. That um, that just buying a seat for 10 bucks a month is going to resolve right away because you can install it on the local computer. If your internet's down, it doesn't matter. You can have access to your computer anyway. So having this minimum of a $10 option is really awesome for people who are on these limited incomes and sure they can afford, you know, um, a lunch somewhere or whatever. And, and we figure, well, what's the price of a relatively good lunch? And since we don't like fast food very much at, at Serotech, we're not into McDonald's and Burger King and, you know, selling people a burger for a buck. We figure, well, what's a good economical middle of the road, you know, not special occasion type restaurant where you're going to go and eat a meal. Well, it's 10 bucks. And that's kind of how we, we based it. And uh, it's been very successful. We've actually had hundreds of new customers in the last few days, um, which has been one of the biggest rushes towards Serotech that I've seen in a long time uh, for a paid offering. Obviously, uh, within the first 45 days of sa to go we had over 4,000 registered users using it. Uh, at this point right now, uh, we've had several hundred uh, users that have added uh, the uh, Build a Bundle offering to their arsenal of of products that they've uh, uh, that they now use for their everyday computing, and that's really where we want to be. We don't care about being the number one. We just want to be uh, we want to be on your computer, and we want to be able to offer help where you need it. I've had a lot of fun over the past year working on Main Menu, but one of the most enjoyable interviews I did was with Shane Jackson. Shane and I had a great time during the interview, but toward the end of the discussion, Shane turned serious when he began to discuss his life and the state of accessibility for the blind. You need to just live. You know, this is a time to live. Yep. This is a time to enjoy the, the bounty that God is providing for us and, and, and the fact that we are advancing beyond our wildest hopes and dreams Mm -hmm. Um, God, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how excited I am. Number one, that a humble Alabama boy, uh, who grew up 
on what you call the other side of the track and who made his way through school and with a Perkins Braille rider and a Braille and Speak 640 uh, or Braille and Squeak, I called it. <laughs> and and then he made his way through the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa with the, a Braille note and, and graduated and and now is working at Apple. I, I I had many dreams during my life, but I never hoped. I never, I never built up my hopes to work for a company such as you know IBM, Microsoft, Apple. You know the big name HP, the big names in computer. Right. I never dreamed or dared to hope that that this humble fellow who means no harm to anyone uh, and certainly is not anyone to be uh, thought of as better or anything like that than anybody else right. to, to be working at Apple. And I cannot tell you how grateful I am to the blind community that have stood by me. And uh, I can't tell you the number of emails and Twitters I got from people jumping up and down when I got hired. Yeah yourself among them. Sure. Um, and I, I, I just want to say a big, huge, huge, uh, thank you to the blindness community for believing in me and believing in people like me, um, rather than trying to hold us down. Absolutely. And we're going places. You betcha. We're going places. Um, it's, it's just, you know, the hills are steep. The turns are sharp. Hang on for the ride. Make sure your bar is locked. Make sure your seatbelt's full tight. And hang on. Two high school students, Chase Crispin and Tyler Uronic, joined me on Main Menu to discuss technology from a young person's perspective. We talked about note takers, MacBooks, screen readers for Windows, all of the things you would expect. But we eventually turned to the subject of Braille, and I asked them the question, how important is Braille in your life? This is what they had to say. Well, I definitely agree with everything that's been said about Braille. Um, I do really enjoy technology, but nothing, in my opinion, can ever replace Braille. For example, our school has... Well, this is just one example, but our school district has the science and the history books on the internet. And they are somewhat usable, but they have a lot of graphics, which are unlabeled, and other things that aren't as accessible. So I can't really use those. And the school has thought at other times about having me get a print book and just scan it into the computer. But I told them that I would like to keep Braille books because I do not comprehend the information or understand the concepts near as well with online or spoken material as I would with a Braille book. So I request all my textbooks, especially math, for school in Braille. Um, so I really rely on Braille for that. And then like you were talking about earlier, Tyler, the Braille signs are really important because if you're walking around somewhere and you need to find the restroom, you can't usually tell which one is the men and the women's restroom. So, and they, almost every restroom I've seen now has a sign outside with Braille on it so you can tell which one to go to. 
And just little things, braille menus, braille signs, little things like that make a huge difference. I know a lot of people don't think they do, but um, braille things like that really make a difference. You know what, uh, Chase, I was going to also comment on your deal there. I will totally agree with you. And you know, I don't know what you think about this, but um, they're actually, I think they're going to get some of my books on uh, the digital format for... Um, for uh, eighth grade, but you know, I just wonder, you know, what will happen? You know, what will happen if that braille note goes down? Another very familiar voice to the blend community and a familiar name as well, Brian Hartgen joined us on Main Menu to discuss JTunes, the popular scripts for JAWS for Windows that work with Apple's iTunes program. Brian discussed what JTunes was and gave us a little history of the development of the scripts. JTunes, uh, we started it back in 2005. This was a time when there was absolutely no access really to iTunes for screen reader users. We had a really crazy situation, you'll probably re remember yourself, Jamie, do, where we had this, this great music player called the iPod Shuffle. And it was very, very accessible, obviously, because it had no screen. Yeah. But by contrast, we had this software that was very inaccessible, iTunes. And Anna Dresner, who works for the National Braille Press, she wrote this great book about her journey of discovery of the iPod Shuffle and how she uh, got around certain things. And that really inspired me to start writing the JTunes scripts for Jaws. That's how it all started, really. That's interesting. I did not realize that Anna's book inspired you to start that work. I remember those early days, and it was pretty rough going, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> you had to do an awful lot with the JAWS cursor because really nothing worked unless you specifically assigned any highlight colors and things like that. And there was a lot even then you couldn't do. So, uh, yeah, definitely was, it was down to Anna that started it all off, really. <laughs> um so then, obviously, we've developed JTunes throughout the five years. There is some support for iTunes within the JAWS for Windows screen reader at the moment, particularly with version 11. Despite that, JTunes is still definitely our most popular JAWS-based product, and we have four of them. One of the things that's always popular on Main Menu are demonstrations of products, how-tos, you might say. One show that I got a lot of feedback on was a demonstration of Studio Recorder from the American Printing House for the Blind. We went through the product, looked at the menus, and I actually demonstrated how to put a short mock main menu episode together, complete with intro. As I say, I received a lot of feedback on that piece, and I really appreciate all comments that I receive on the show, both positive and if there's constructive criticism that needs to be given, I accept that as well. When it became clear that the Bookport Plus would be released very shortly after the first of the year, the target was sometime in March, I contacted Larry Scootcon of the American Printing House for the Blind and asked him if we could either visit with him about the Bookport Plus or perhaps play a demo of the product. 
I expected that he would produce something for Blind Cool Tech and that we would rebroadcast it. We will occasionally rebroadcast podcasts on Main Menu. We try to only do the best of the best, and I knew that anything Larry produced would be of excellent quality. That was never a question in my mind. I was very surprised when he not only submitted a demo, but actually gave us something exclusive to Main Menu. And we were very pleased to be able to present to our listeners the first ever in-depth look at the Bookport Plus. So what the Bookport Plus consists of is hardware that is essentially the same as the PlexTalk pocket if you're familiar with it. This this book port, um, like the other digital media devices, plays several kinds of files and uh, those those are digital talking books from the National Library Service. Um, it also, by the way, uh, will play the NLS cartridges. So it comes with a small USB cable about six inches long that plugs into the USB um, port on this device and then the other end plugs into the cartridge. And uh, you can read them that way. You do have to authorize your device as you do with any of the uh, portable or any of the digital talking book players and you, you do that of course by being uh, a member of NLS and using their website at um, https colon slash slash nlsbard.loc.gov there's information there about how to um, become a uh, patron of the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped if you're not already one and uh, what steps to take if you're interested in being able to participate in their program. Um, in addition to NLS, we, uh, the Bookport Plus supports RFB&D. One of the things I really like about hosting Main Menu is that I get to visit with people I've always wanted to talk to, and I get to ask questions that I've always wanted answers to. One such instance was when I had the privilege of visiting with David Greenwood of GMA Games. I've been a fan of his work for many years. I can remember when Shades of Doom first came out, and I spent many hours playing that game, as well as his other game, Tank Commander. When a new game, Time of Conflict, was released, that was my opportunity to visit with David about his work. Okay, we uh, officially got our name in the early part of, uh, oh, I guess 2001, uh, but we were producing games in, I guess, 98. Our first game was Lone Wolf, and it was marketed uh, through PCS Games, and it was a DOS-based game. Um, it was real-time and had sounds. It was uh, quite new to the uh, visually impaired uh, market, I think. And we thought we'd take a go another step farther, and we uh, pulled the Odyssey list and tried to decide on uh, what game that people would be interested in. People seem to be pretty interested in a Doom-type game. This is how it was described, and uh, so we uh, polled people on how they thought it should work and got some ideas together, and uh, between the, the list and myself, we put together Shades of Doom. 
Yeah, that was quite a quite a game. Um, I can remember that's probably the first really advanced game that I ever played. I looked at some demos of a couple other things from some other, another company, and I don't know. They seemed seemed a little bit buggy. I wasn't quite as pleased with uh, just the the way the sounds gave me information about my environment. But when I played Shades of Doom, I remember thinking, you know, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Well, that's great. That's. Uh and that has a lot to do with the uh, beta testers and uh, the list that came up with a lot of the ideas. And then after that, um, I remember GMA Tank Commander, which was a, quite quite a game. I, that was one of the most immersive games I think I've ever played as far as sounds and the, the things you could control in the game. It was uh, a fun game to develop. It was a game that I've always wanted to develop. Uh, when I had sight, I was big into the tank-type games, so I... Uh, really wanted to uh, do this game. Actually, most of the games I've writ- I write for myself. I, if I don't like the game, um, I just can't get into it enough to, uh, I guess, uh, put my all into it, I guess. Now that brings up a great point, because I was actually going to ask you about that. I could tell from playing your games, or at least I was pretty sure that you have had sight at some point. Yes, I, um, I had sight for most of my life. It was I guess I, it went down gradually by about 96, 97, 98. I had to uh, start using a cane by about 2001. It was pretty well all gone. So do, have you actually had mil- military experience, or is everything that you know about the military just from research and from uh, gaming? Mainly it may have research quite a bit, but a lot of it is just from books and movies, because a lot of uh, what I'm doing is not really based on hard information. A lot of it is the feel of the, you know, when you're watching a movie or reading a book, just the, the feeling of how it may work. And I, I do check upon some information, but as, as you know, the, in Tank Commander, the, the tanks aren't really modeled after any particular tank. It just has certain characteristics that uh, will make the game a little more fun. One of the more interesting things that happened over the past year was a collaboration between The Global Voice and ACB Radio. Chrissy Cochran, host of Innovations, and myself, as well as Jeff Bishop, a former main menu host, joined forces to discuss not only Windowize scripting, but the upcoming release of Windowize version 7.2. Here is a bit of that conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a joint project with ACB Radio and the Global Voice. And the one thing we have in common that the three of us around here are Windowize users. I have with me Jamie Paul, who hosts main menu on ACB Radio. I have Jeff Bishop, who is script king par excellence of Windows, <laughs> Windows station playlist, and all sorts of scripts, scripts, Skype, and all sorts of goodies. And we are first going to look at the latest version of Windows, which is coming out, which is Windows 7.2, a beta of which is available for anyone who wishes to acquire it. Jeff, what is new in this that's really going to catch people, or is it mainly bug fixes? 
Well, I think the first thing that people need to uh, to to realize is that this is not a major release. It's not uh, something you know like a Windowwise 8.0 or or anything like that. However, there are some pretty major changes in it in reference to performance and stability. That's always been a pretty key thing for GW Micro is to make sure that stability remain a key factor in their product line. And uh, there was a there was a patch released prior to the 7.2 public beta. That was that was put out for eloquence. And for those of you who are Windowize users, if you if you have not gotten that patch, really it makes Windowize feel like an, an entirely different screen reader when you're using that when you're using that synthesizer. I don't know what you think, Jamie, but the the, the difference was just incredible. Absolutely, I was a someone who really. Uh, enjoyed using Eloquence and was pretty much unable to use it with Windowize on my computer. Uh, it was just too sluggish. It stuttered badly. And the patch has absolutely revolutionized the way I use Windowize with, with Eloquence. Yeah, I was using uh, DeckTalk Access with it myself. Yeah. And, uh, and I switched to Eloquence when the patch came out. And the, the difference is, is incredible. One of the other key things that's new in the patch is, uh, or the new in, in the public beta actually, is uh, support for Office 2010. Now, Microsoft is going to be announcing uh, uh, the launch for, for business customers of Office 2010 in May and for the public consumer in June. So, so it's coming quickly. And this is really nice that we're actually going to be able to have support in Windows for Office 2010 uh, before it even actually ships. One of the really neat things about Office 2010 that I've done quite a bit of reading about is Outlook has really had a number of improvements. And I'm really excited about that, especially for IMAP support. It's supposed to uh, sing and dance when, uh, when we get that. But the proof will be in the pudding when it comes out. And Gmail, I have a, I have a huge, huge Gmail um, account, has about, has about five gig of, of, of email in it. And right now, using Outlook with that, it, it's very, very, very slow. So I'm very excited to, to try Office 2010 uh, when it comes out. Uh, really, the other areas that 7.2 uh, deals with are with, in reference to bug fixes. And there are a number of them. The README file is extremely, uh, well, it's very large. <laughs> and it describes every fix that's, that's included in 7.2. And if you're running 7.11 right now, really, I've told users that there is no reason why, even though it's a beta, and there is some level of risk running a beta, but really, I think that you would find that it's, it's more stable than the current 7.11 release is. We do a lot of software reviews on Main Menu, but not so many hardware reviews. Tim Cummings, a Main Menu team member and audio expert, did, however, provide a hardware review, and he demonstrated and discussed a microphone. Hi there, Main Menu listeners. This is Tim Cummings, and today I'm going to review another microphone for you, which I do from time to time. This is the Rode VideoMic, and it's kind of a unique microphone, and... Uh, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about it. First of all, for all the audio files in the crowd, let me quickly go through the microphone specifications. This microphone is a supercardioid microphone, otherwise known as having a shotgun pattern, meaning that it's more sensitive to sounds directly in front of the microphone and rejects 
sounds off to the sides and the back of the microphone. The frequency response is 40 hertz to 20 kilohertz and the mic has an a high pass switchable filter and I'm not using the filter right now but I will flip the filter on in a few minutes so you can hear what that sounds like. The output impedance of the microphone is 200 ohms. The signal to noise ratio is 74 dB. The maximum uh, sound pressure level meaning the loudest sound the mic can record without going into distortion, depending on where you have your microphone level set on your recorder, is 134 dB. The sensitivity of the microphone is minus 38 dB. The dynamic range is 114 dB. And the microphone is powered by a 9-volt battery, which will give you approximately 100 hours of battery use, and I haven't had to change the battery as of yet. The output connector for the microphone is a 3.5 millimeter male plug, otherwise known as an eighth inch male plug, stereo plug, and the microphone in terms of its dimensions, it weighs 3.88 ounces without a battery and 6.21 ounces with the 9 volt battery installed. The microphone is 2.5 inches high, 9.8 inches long, and 4.5 inches in width. So those are the basic specifications of the microphone. Little did I know at the beginning of the year when I visited with Tyler Uronic and Chase Crispin that they would eventually contribute quite a bit to Main Menu. Tyler with Techie Tidbits. Hello, this is Tyler Uronic with a Techie Tidbit review. I've recently been playing with Dropbox. Dropbox is an internet file sharing application. Not only can you share files, but you may copy and paste your important folders and automatically they are synced online. And later, Chase Crispin with Tech Update. Hello everybody, this is Chase Crispin introducing a brand new main menu segment known as Tech Update. Tech Update will be on main menu nearly every week and will give the latest news and technology that blind people can use. Not only will this be assistive technology, but it can also be mainstream technology that works for blind people. There is a good possibility that I might miss something while recording, so if there is something I missed or something you think I might be putting in next week's segment, but you want to make sure it gets in, you can call the comment line number provided at the end of the segment and leave a comment which I will check and make sure what you have suggested makes it into next week's segment. Another frequent guest on Main Menu has been Jerry Chevalier of Humanware. Jerry joined us again in 2010 to discuss yet another release of Victor Reader Stream firmware and Humanware companion update. We won't uh, cover the history in too much detail, but we have to go clear back to what is it? Sept uh, September of 2007, something like that, but when the stream was Yes, it is, if I think, yes, it is September 2007, so we're coming up very close to the third anniversary. So we're very pleased that uh, the, the stream customers are still embracing the product and uh, even more excited that I can continue to offer enhancements to a product that's in its third year. And the enhancements in this release are quite numerous. Why don't we just go ahead and first let's talk about uh, the free upgrade that anyone can, can get if they wish. They can get it right now. 
Uh, yes, they can. The version 3.2 is, uh, in fairness, I would call it, uh, we didn't change the first digit. So uh, when you see only the second digit change in, in humanware, that basically means a maintenance release. So we added some uh, some European languages in there for our TTS voice. We have now uh, Russian. So even even people in Leningrad and Moscow are, are beginning to get interested in the stream. Uh, we have the Belgium dialect of Dutch that's been added to this version, and uh, we've released the Portuguese, uh, Brazilian Portuguese uh, voice on on the stream 3.2. And uh, we've corrected a, a few bugs, uh, so minor things, but in terms of functionality, uh, the free stream 3.2 doesn't have uh, a lot in terms of functionality. So I would call it a maintenance release to correct bugs and to provide the uh, new three new TTS voices. And as well, it had some architecture built into it to support some uh, optional features that we uh, are now selling and uh, many things that users ask for and we're, we're happy to offer as an optional software suite that you can purchase. And we call that the Victor Reader Stream Soft Pack. Without question... The accessibility of Apple's newest iDevices, including the iPod Touch, the iPad, and the iPhone, has changed the blind community forever. We've covered our fair share of Apple stories in the past year, but one of the most fascinating, in my opinion, is an interview brought to us by Daryl Shandro from the 2010 ACB convention. Daryl visited with Nancy Miracle, from the company Digital Miracles about Digitize, a barcode scanning app. I'm talking with Nancy Miracle, president and CTO of Digital Miracles, and uh, she has a, an innovative product for blind users of the iPhone currently. Um, Nancy, good morning. Thanks for uh, interviewing uh, with me here on ACB Radio at the convention. Well, thanks very much for having me. It's a great convention. I'm having a wonderful time here. Wonderful. Well, uh, would you start uh, by uh, giving us a, a brief overview of Digital Miracles, DigitEyes, and the product that you're offering to the blind community now? Sure. I'd be, I'd be delighted to. What DigitEyes is, is it's an application that runs on your iPhone currently, and we're fairly shortly going to be releasing for the Android, that allows you to use your phone as a scanner. And we scan several different kinds of barcodes. And we use uh, visible light and the camera on the phone so that you end up with something that you just have in your pocket. It just goes around with you wherever you are. And you can scan UPC codes or EAN codes if you're overseas. Uh, you can scan barcodes that you make yourself. Okay, let's about an EAN code is in Europe, is that correct? Correct. That okay. stands for European Article Number. Got it. Okay. Uh, we also scan what's called GTIN numbers, okay. uh, which are global trading information numbers. Okay. And what happens is the UBC is kind of the great-grandfather standard. Okay. Uh, EAN codes are actually a superset of UPC codes. They okay. are UPC codes on steroids with, uh -huh, an, extra okay. with an extra digit that okay. tells you uh, the country of origin uh -huh. of the party who issued it. Gotcha. And uh, GTIN numbers are actually a superset of EAN codes. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, now we can understand how that works, right? Correct. Yeah, okay. There's a couple of excellent articles in Wikipedia if you actually want to go and find out a little bit more about these numbers. But the people who invented them really thought about them quite a bit. 
so they fundamentally they'll identify the country, they'll identify the manufacturer, and then the manufacturer identifies the product. And then there's a, a check digit on it to make sure that you actually did find all the correct numbers when, when you were reading it mechanically. So wonderful. So these codes are found all over the place on boxes and cans and things you get at the grocery store? Yeah, they're found on clothing, they're found on shoes, they're found on tools, uh, they're probably found on the back of your washing machine, uh, they're found on every piece in your automobile, almost certainly. They're found on drugs and cleaning products and flooring and just about anything you might want to think about. As a matter of fact, pretty much anything that is sold, at least in the United States, and in most European countries has one of those codes because they're used on the point-of-sale systems when, when the product is rung up. One very special guest on Main Menu was ACB Radio Director Larry Turnbull to discuss some changes coming to ACB Radio. The most recent change that many are finding out about is we have recently put ACB Radio Interactive on uh, PRS, which is an automation system that currently drives uh, mainstream, cafe, uh, treasure trove, and world. So now we can say that all five streams have been hooked up to PRS. And this is going to allow for several things. One, it's going to make it a lot easier to simulcast with other stations. And this uh, kind of leads me into the other big bit of news for Interactive is we have a uh, cooperative starting between ACB Radio Interactive, uh, the Ride Radio, and Legend. And what that means is during times that we don't have live programming on Interactive per se, we might actually have live programming that we might be simulcasting with uh, on the Legend if any DJ over there wants to uh, have their show simulcast on uh, ECB Radio Interactive. And we already do have a few DJs that are interested in this. So this is going to be very exciting for us as it's going to bring broadcasters uh, to ACB Radio Interactive and even some broadcasters that were on Interactive uh, some years ago uh, will be coming back. And this is going to work in reverse as well, where if any of the other stations, The Legend or The Ride, wish to pull programming from uh, Interactive during the times that they don't have live programming, they're more than welcome to do so. Another main menu exclusive was granted us by Neil Ewers of Madison, Wisconsin another very familiar voice to the blind community. Neil demonstrated and discussed the Zoom H1 digital recorder with almost no menus. Hello everyone. This is Neil Ewers for Main Menu, and this is a review of the Zoom H1 recorder. Just received it yesterday. The cost is $99, and its claim to fame is it has no menus. Interestingly enough, I'm not using the H1 at this point, because what Zoom says is that the H1 has the same electronics as the H2. Well, what better way to find that out than to start out with the H2 and then switch to the H1, which is exactly what we're going to do now. This is the H2. I'm about 7-8 inches from this microphone in a very quiet room. And now this is the H1. And this is the Zoom H1 recorder, coming to you from the same quiet room. One note about this recording. 
You hear me in a very quiet room, and so you hear a lot of hiss, microphone noise, maybe some floor noise, etc. And so you say, this sounds like a really noisy recorder. Well, it's not. Relative to others, it is quite quiet. It's not the quietest, but it's certainly not the most noisy. You hear the noise because there's nothing else to mask it out. If you were out, even in another part of my house where there was some ambient noise, it would start to mask the noise of the recorder. Mary Emerson has contributed to Blind Cool Tech for many years. During 2010, Mary provided some exclusive content to Main Menu, including a look at the Olympus DM4 digital recorder, how to open and collapse the Pearl camera, and the piece that we're going to look at briefly, the setting center in JAWS 12. Hi everybody, it is September 26, 2010, a rather hot afternoon here in Silicon Valley, and I thought that what I would do for this podcast is to go through the setting center in JAWS 12. This is a whole different way of approaching what used to be called the configuration manager. And there are some really nice features and additions and even a couple of changes to terminology which we will find as we go through this. So I'm going to navigate over to JAWS. 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 And I'm going to use one of the ways of getting into the setting center. I tend to just get in through the menu, so I'm going to push Alt. Menu bar options. One press of the right arrow key. Utilities. Down arrow a few times. Menu, utilities, menu, merge utility, synthesizer and braille manager, sound card submenu, setting center. And there we are. And I know this is a bit longer than what a lot of people prefer to do. But this is how I do it when I want to change everything. In other words, the default settings. You can, as a matter of fact, get into a specific application and then push your JAWS key, which is usually insert by default, plus F2. And that will get into your particular application, whatever happens to be current, the settings for that application. And this has always been a great feature of JAWS. There are many more stories we could highlight if time permitted. Main Menu team member Stephen Guerra often demonstrates products available from independent living aids. David Tanner, another Main Menu team member, also provides many demos for us. You get the idea. I trust that you can get a feel for the kind of work that we've done on Main Menu over the past year. We've had a lot of fun. We've provided a lot of information along the way. 2011 promises to be a very exciting year. There's going to be a lot happening in 2011. A lot of stories that have begun to unfold in 2010 that are going to develop over the coming year. We welcome your comments. You can subscribe to a mailing list of Main Menu listeners by sending a blank message to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. If you would just like to interact personally, you can send a message to mainmenu at acbradio.org. We'd be glad to hear from you that way. 
Perhaps you have something you'd like to submit. You can certainly do that as well. Contact me at the address I just mentioned, mainmenu at acbradio.org. Let me know what you'd like to submit, and we'll talk about how to go about that. Main Menu is broadcast every Friday evening at 9 Eastern on ACB Radio. You can visit http colon slash slash mainmenu.acbradio.org to download or stream past shows. And you can subscribe to a podcast of the show by visiting http colon slash slash mainmenu.acbradio.org slash rss.php. We've got a lot of work ahead of us over the next year, so let's get started. With that said, I'll see you next week. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.